Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 79, we are on the final episode of our mini three-part series on Spanish's ser versus estar. Now, in episode 77, we looked specifically at how and when to use ser, remembering the mnemonic ser plus se tiene. Then, in episode 78, we looked at how and when to use estar using the mnemonic si, lo está tirando. So, if you haven't listened to those, I recommend that you download those podcasts first before listening to this episode. Why? Because even though we'll do a quick recap of these two mnemonics, today's episode is where we put it all together and look at how using ser versus estar in different scenarios actually changes a sentence's meaning. Plus, a mini self-test for your enjoyment, and we're also going to finish our cultural tip mini-series on Bolivia by looking at three unique cultural traditions. So, vámonos! Just a quick note before we start, if you would like more resources to help you with ser versus estar and other Spanish grammar, check out the links in today's show notes. Full disclosure, some of them are Amazon affiliate links, and for more information on that, you can see my disclosure policy. Anyways, I have clearly marked which ones are affiliate links, but these links were all invaluable in preparing for this episode series, so please enjoy. Now, let's do a quick recap on these two verbs. So, on using ser, remember... In order to know when and how to use ser, just remember ser plus se tiene. So you have the S for se, which is for the passive voice in se tiene. E is for expresión, or the expression se tiene, to help you remember that you use it for possessives. Is it had? Is it a possessive? And R is for revelación. The revelation is in the acronym tiene for time, impersonal expressions, norms, and event locations. And in order to remember when and how to use estar, just remember the phrase, si lo está tirando. Si is for subjective impressions. Lo stands for location. Está tirando, the entire phrase, is to remind you that estar can form the present progressive. And number four, tira in tirando stands for temporary conditions, idiomatic expressions, and result of an action. So now let's put it all together and look at the following 16 example sentences using both ser and estar. I'll read out the two sentences and you try to figure out the different nuances before I give you the actual translation. So here we go. Number one, mi amiga es un poco fría. Mi amiga es un poco fría. Mi amiga está un poco fría. Mi amiga está un poco fría. With es, the meaning is my friend is a little cold, as in she's a cold person. But with esta, my friend is a little cold, as in temperature-wise, maybe she needs a coat. Number two, tú eres sucio. Or, tú estás sucio. Basically, this means you are dirty. But if you use eres, ser, right? Then it means you have a dirty or a gross mind. Whereas if you use estar or tu estás sucio, it means you're literally covered in dirt. Number three, 
Ursula is mala. Or Ursula está mala. If you use es, you're saying Ursula is bad or she's evil. Whereas if you use está, you're saying that she feels bad, as in she feels sick. Number four, mi esposo es fuerte. Or mi esposo está fuerte. So, if you use es, it means my husband is strong, like he has a strong character. But if you use está, it means my husband is physically strong. Number five, la niña es muy atenta. Or la niña está muy atenta. If you use es, it means that the girl is very attentive, like she pays attention to things. But if you use está, then you're saying that the girl is currently paying attention to something. Number six, ellos son listos, or ellos están listos. This means they are clever, as in they're smart, with son, or with están, you're saying that they are ready to do something or for something. Number seven, vosotros fuisteis tan aburridos, or vosotros estuvisteis tan aburridos. Now, if you use fuisteis, the vosotros conjugation of ser, past tense, it, you're literally saying you all were so boring, as in you all were very boring people. But if you use the past tense of estar, or vosotros estuvisteis, you're saying you all were so bored. <laughs> you see the difference there? Very important distinction. Number eight, los plátanos son verdes. Or, Los plátanos están verdes. So if you use son, you're saying the bananas are green, as in the color. But if you use están, you are saying the bananas are unripe, they're green. Number nine, mi abuelo es vivo. Or, mi abuelo está vivo. If you use es, then you're saying my grandfather is lively. But if you use está, you're saying Simply, my grandfather is alive. One talks about his character, right? Es vivo. And the other just talks about his state of being. Está vivo. Number 10. ¿Cómo es tu niñera? Ella es muy feliz. Or, ¿Cómo está tu niñera? Ella está muy feliz. So in the first part where we used ser or es, you are saying, how is your babysitter? What, how is she as in, how is she as a person? And the response is, she's very happy. She's a very happy person. But in the second part where we use estar, you're asking, how is your babysitter doing? And the reply is, she is very happy. So it's presumably, she's very happy right now because you were a very good charge. Number 11, mi tía es vieja. Or, mi tía está vieja. If you use es, it means my aunt is old. But if you use está, then it's you're saying that your aunt looks old. Number 12. ¿Tú eres seguro? Or, ¿tú estás seguro? When you use eres or ser, you're asking, are you safe? But when you use estar, ¿tú estás seguro? You're saying, are you sure? Number 13. Mi comida es rica, 
or mi comida está rica. This is my meal is delicious in general when you're using es. But if you're using está, it means that this particular meal is delicious. Number 14. Mi pelota es roja. Or mi pelota está roja. And again, very similar situation. If you say my ball is red or mi pelota es roja, you're saying that it generally is red. But if you use está, now you're saying that my ball is now red, as in something has happened to make it currently red. So it's a nice, interesting nuance there. Number 15. Mis nietos son altos. Or mis nietos están altos. My grandsons are tall. Literally is what you're saying when you use son. My grandsons are tall. But if you use están, you're implying that your grandsons have gotten tall. They've grown taller. And lastly, number 16, soy británica. Or estoy británica. When you say soy británica, you're saying I am British. But if you use estoy, then you're saying I act British. All right. Finally, let's finish up this mini series with a mini test. I've created a mini test of 20 questions just for you so you can quiz yourself to see how well those mnemonics are working for you. Now, I'll read the sentence with a blank, and you need to decide if the blank should be filled with the verb ser or estar. And of course, I'll give a pause so you can think, and then I will give you the answer. I'll also include which part of the mnemonic can help you remember why the verb is either ser or estar, in case you want to revisit that part of past episodes, as well as the translation. So, buena suerte! Number one. Donde blank Raúl? The answer? Donde está Raúl? Because we're talking about location. So, where is Raúl? Number two. Donde blank la fiesta de Julia? Answer, donde es la fiesta de Julia? And that's because we're talking about an event location. Translation would be, where is Julia's party being held? Number three, el pastel blank cocinado. Answer, el pastel estuvo cocinado. So estar, because it's the result of an action. The cake was cooked. Number four, el pastel blank cocinado por mi padre. Answer, el pastel fue cocinado, so ser. And that's because this is an example of passive voice. The cake was cooked by my father. Number five, ellos blank peruanos, cristianos y maestros de matemáticas. Answer, ellos son peruanos, cristianos y maestros de matemáticas. So ser. That's because this is talking about norms, ethnicity, religion, and profession. The translation is, they are Peruvians, Christians, and math teachers. Number six. ¿Qué hora blank? Blank las tres. Answer. 
y ahora es, son las tres. So we use ser here because it's talking about time. What time is it? It is three o'clock. Number seven, another two blanker, if you will. Que día blank? Blank, el 17 de octubre. Answer, que día es? Es el 17 de octubre. Because again, we're talking about time, so it's ser. And the translation is, what day is it? It is October 17th. Number eight. ¿Cuánto cuesta ese muñeca? Blank. Treinta y cinco dólares. Answer. ¿Cuánto cuesta ese muñeca? Es treinta y cinco dólares. And it's ser because we're talking about norms or cost. So how much does that doll cost? It is thirty-five dollars. Number nine, blank de acuerdo. Answer, estoy de acuerdo. And we use a star because it's an idiomatic expression. And it just means I agree. Estoy de acuerdo. Number 10, mi camisa blank de seda. Answer, mi camisa es de seda. So ser, because we're talking about norms or the material something is made of. My shirt is silk. All right, so that's about halfway there. If you need a break because you're listening to this on the podcast, go ahead and pause that for a moment, and then we will continue. So number 11, blank, maravilloso tener hijos. Answer, es maravilloso tener hijos. And we use ser because this is an impersonal expression. It is wonderful to have kids. Number 12. El blank, mi esposo. Answer. El es mi esposo. Ser. And that's because we're talking about norms or relationship. He is my husband. Number 13. Blank, casada. Answer. Estoy casada. And we use estar in this case because we're talking about temporary conditions or change state of being or condition. Although one would hope that this change in condition of being married is more permanent. So estoy casada means I am married. Number 14, no blank guapa, pero esta noche sí, blank guapa. And this one's a bit of a tricky one. So I'll read it one more time. No blank guapa, pero esta noche sí, blank Guapa. All right, so the answers are, in the first part, it's no es guapa, because we're talking about norms or characteristics. Oh, no es guapa, pero esta noche sí, está guapa. And we use está for this second one, because we're talking about temporary conditions. So a changed state of being or condition. I mean, you could also argue it's a subjective impression, for sure. But the translation is, she isn't normally beautiful, but tonight, yes, she is. Number 15, el perro blank mío. Answer, el perro es mío. And we use es, ser, because it's a possessive. So the dog is mine. Number 16, la ventana blank cerrada. Answer, la ventana está cerrada. 
And we use estar here because temporary conditions, right? Change state of being or condition. And the translation is the window is closed. Number 17. ¿Qué pasó? Pedro blank gordo. A little rude, but ¿qué pasó? Pedro blank gordo. And the answer is ¿qué pasó? Pedro está gordo. And we use estar because this is a subjective impression. So what happened? Pedro looks fat. Again, a bit rude. Number 18. Maria blank nadando antes de que empiece la escuela. Answer. Maria está nadando antes de que empiece la escuela. And we use estar because we're using a present progressive here. Maria is swimming before school starts. Está nadando. Number 19, almost done. Mi abuelo, blank, muerto. Answer, mi abuelo está muerto. And we use a star because we are talking about temporary conditions, or rather the changed state of being or condition. So the translation is, my grandfather is dead. And finally, number 20, los niños ya, blank, dormidos. Answer, los niños ya están dormidos. And we use están or estar because it's the result of an action. There you go, your 20 questions for self-testing. How did you do? I hope you did well, but no worries if you ran into some problems or if there are still things you have questions on or unsure of, you can always revisit episodes 77 or 78 or even send me an email at contact at languageanswers.com. And, my friends, thus ends our mini-series on ser versus estar. I really hope you enjoyed it, or that it at least helped you out. And now that we've gone through those very long lists, let's move on to something fun, our cultural tip, our final cultural tip on Bolivia. Now, Bolivia has a lot of cool and unique traditions and customs, but today, as always, we will focus on three, just three, really interesting ones. And the first one is the Carnaval de Oruro, which happens on the Saturday before Ash Wednesday. Now, in more ancient times, the mining town of Ururo was called Uruuru by the Uru people. And this mountain town can drop to 400,000 people for its renowned festival, Carnaval de Oruro. The party lasts for 10 days and highlights dancing, crafts, food, and more. UNESCO has even declared it a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. So there you have it. Now, because of the Spanish colonization of the area in the 17th century and their ensuing forbiddance of pagan celebrations, the locals hid their pagan worship within the Catholic traditions, creating a unique blend of pagan and sacred. So Folklore says that this particular carnival came about because of a Robin Hood-like thief who was mortally injured. According to legend, he repented of his sins and the Virgin of Candelaria, aka the Virgin del Socavon, or the Virgin of the Mineshaft, took pity on him and helped him to get home. Her image hung over his head at the base of the mine when others discovered him dead. Now, did this miracle really happen? Or was it merely a myth created by the Spanish to convince the locals to dedicate a church to La Virgen? Who knows? But out of this myth has come the Oruro Carnival, and a time of crazy dancing and an odd mixture of Catholic and pagan worship. To begin with, 
The whole event is dedicated to the Virgen del Socavón, but two days before this, the locals celebrate their ancient pagan celebration of Anada Andina, a time to give thanks to Pachamama, Pachamama, who's essentially their Mother Earth. Now, the night before El Carnival is dedicated to El Tio, or Tio Supe, who was believed to be the god of the mines, but is also portrayed as the devil in the carnival? Anyways, after this, during the actual carnival, you have the Pilgrimage Saturday, Carnival Sunday, and Devil's Monday. During this time, tons of musicians and dancers and musical groups participate in the dancing parade, including more than 10,000 musicians and 28,000 dancers. In fact, on Saturday, during the main parade, the dancers walk four kilometers repeatedly for up to 20 hours. That is dedication. Now, La Diablada is one of the most famous dances, which focuses on good triumphing over evil. It has been performed since 1904, when it began by the indigenous miners as an attempt to keep El Tio from being jealous of their worship of the Virgin. I've included two videos in the show notes that will give you a brief glimpse into what the carnival is like. And if you'd like to see a slightly longer video that provides a wider view of the carnival dancing, as well as several short interviews with various dancers on why they dance, in Spanish, of course, then you can check out the YouTube video posted by Monomedia in 2020. Number two, La Entrada Universitaria de la Paz, which happens on the last Saturday of July. Now, when I heard about this tradition, I was pretty psyched. Basically, in La Paz, on the last Saturday of July, university students from the Universidad Mayor de San Andres, or UMSA, go around and dance various native dances. This has been going on since 1988, with a two-year hiatus, of course, thanks to COVID, and the goal is to promote their cultural heritage. Some of the dances include the caporales, the morenada, the tobas, and even the diablado. Many of them deal with Bolivian history, such as slavery, or storytelling, such as Michael the Archangel versus Lucifer. Really, what a cool thing to do with your university. So you can check out the video I've included in the show notes from UMSA to see this year's dancing, along with the university's commentary on the event, of course, in Spanish. Number three, lastly, but certainly not least, we have Sonzo de Yucafruto. I mean, of course, we have to have something about traditional food, always. And this week's choice was hard. I couldn't decide between yuca frita, silpancho, or any of the numerous different Bolivian versions of empanadas. And then I stumbled upon this recipe by Chipa by the Dozen for Santo de Yuca Frito, which is basically a cheesy pancake made of yucca. How could I resist? And of course, they also have the recipe in Spanish, so I've included that link in the show notes. Have I added this to my list of foods to try to make? Absolutely. Did I find a new blog to start following? You betcha. Now, if you want to see even more delicious food to try out, you can check out the cultural tip show notes for two links to various sites. I mean, seriously, guys, Bolivia has some really tasty looking food. So check it out. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. 
If you'd prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey, so please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego!